The Damon Hayhow Podcast, a delicate contemplation of nutrition, of weight training, of body recomposition, of fitness being shitness. Welcome to the Damon Hayhow Podcast, and today's episode, I'm very proud and delighted to be able to bring you a discussion with Mr. Nick Jones, world champion bodybuilder, Australian bodybuilding's favorite son and founder of the Gentech line of nutritional sports nutrition supplements, which are by far and away my favorite and really sort of the only sports supplements that I will use. Nick and I have been friends for a good many years, at least sort of 15 years, and I'm not afraid to admit that I've got a bit of a man crush on Nick. He is uh, just an amazing guy with integrity, work ethic, intelligence, honesty, and just an all-around good guy that you cannot help yourself but to like. What Nick and I discuss in this interview is the -the behind-the-scenes reality of producing sports nutrition supplements. So the big question that I really had for Nick was, how can you and I as consumers walking into a sports nutrition store, how can we pick up a product, look at the label and know whether, you know, that product is as good or better than than the next one? And unfortunately, spoiler alert, what Nick reveals gave me even less faith than I already had in in the market. Uh, There's some really surprising stuff in here. You know, the lab tests, they're they're not infallible. The ingredient suppliers, they can add stuff without telling the people making the products, or they might not even know themselves how their own products work. It's really there's 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 some there's some really surprising stuff in here so i'll shut up and uh let nick start talking i hope you enjoy this interview thank you mr jones for coming on the damon hayhow podcast my pleasure uh this is a forum where basically you can say anything as inappropriate or whatever as you want we're just trying to get some some truths that we don't really get to hear um sort of openly and honestly uh sort of in normal public forums so yeah this is just basically the sort of chat that you and i would have and uh and get into some things so as i said the other day uh for for the audience and and just to recap for yourself nick and i met about be a little over 15 years ago now And it was uh, when I'd started a a company called Biologic Labs. And one of the things that I spoke to Nick about was when, before we started, uh, a colleague and myself, we went about lab testing about a dozen of the top brands at the time. And at the time, a dozen top brands was pretty much the entire market too, if you can believe that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and there were some very interesting results there. Um, and without being too disparaging about the dishonest ones, um, Nick and Gentech uh, actually came in above the label claim. So on the label, I think you were claiming something like 73% protein and it came in about 75, 76% or something like that. Yes, yes. And so we got talking and, uh, and, and yeah, formed a friendship from there, which has just gotten better and stronger and all the rest of it. But... Um, Uh, it's been amazing talking to you about some of these behind the scene things. And that's what I wanted to get your input on was like right from the get go, you told me that, well, you know, depending on the lab that I went to, we would have got different test results from the same product anyway. And then from your point of view, the products that you buy, they don't actually come in, you know, to the, to the milligram accurate on what is, is claimed. So, 
first of all, I just wanted to get you know a bit more insight onto the lab. So how do you choose a lab if the labs don't, you know, if, if they don't come back with the same sort of results? How do, what do you do? I mean, it's, it's always, I mean, the same product will vary seasonally as well from batch to batch. You know, you look at, you look at milk as being a natural product and it is seasonal yeah, and you'll yeah, get a true. variation in protein and fat and lactose content in milk um, at different times of the year. So you're going to get that natural variance anyway. We can't lose sight of that to mm. start with. But getting a different result on the same batch from different labs, there's a, there's a few different testing procedures and, and one that was commonly used um, back then was a nitrogen test. So they just basically test for nitrogen to get the protein content. Okay. Um, couple of decades ago used to put glycine in his protein powder so this glycine spiking out of the u.s protein companies is was big news probably four or five years ago yeah um i don't think it's not that i do it but i don't think it's that bad a thing this glycine spiking because it's quite a functional amino acid is glycine but the thing with glycine the reason that this fellow that i know used to put in his proteins but he had it on the jar was it was on the jar in the ingredient list that okay. all these or aminos were in there. So yeah. you could see quite clearly that glycine was added as well as the other amino acids were added to the whey proteins um, because glycine, ha apparently it's got an extra um, nitrogen um, uh, branch on it. So it, it will so test, it tests up, higher. It will test higher than 100% as a protein on a basic nitrogen wow. test. okay. Yes, that was something that was very interesting with a nitrogen test. So there's, I guess there's flaws in nitrogen testing, but Labs would use different types of testing. I'm not 100% sure on what all the different tests specifically are, but there are different types of testing for protein in a product. So well, you that, that's so then what? How does that then? How do we then come out with an amino acid analysis? If or you need to do that as a separate kind of test from just a straight protein test for your labelling. Yes, oh, you could do a, a full analysis, a, a full analysis for your nutritional panel. And there's a couple of different ways. So when you see a nutritional panel on a protein um, supplement or, or any food that you find in the supermarket, it hasn't necessarily gone to a lab to get that breakdown. And no. the food standards code don't um, don't say, or it's not in the rules, or, or you don't have to com comply with getting it tested. We use a calculator. My food tech uses a calculator okay. to to work out the protein, carbohydrate, fat content, the sugars and so forth. We do it through calculators. So basically all of the different ingredients has a certificate of analysis and we work it out based on that. Wow. So with foods, even though in Australia and New Zealand, we, we're possibly the highest, uh, we have the highest governing bodies or, or you know, we're the strictest in the world. Surprisingly, I still think it's very, very loose because you do not have to test your product to show it comes up to label plain. You do not have to do that yeah. at all. And that's not how you come up with a nutritional panel. You do it on the calculator. So these are the facts behind wow. it. And it can be stretched and even legality reasons because it is a naturally occurring product and there will be variants. You're allowed up to 10% variance, Damon. Yeah, but we know that it goes an ex it goes an extreme of that, and yeah, well, it yeah. has done. We've seen that in the past, you know, without vilifying anyone, we've seen that, and it's it's yes. um, it, it's 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 hard, mate. I've got to say, it's really hard. It's becoming harder these days. We manufacturers, you know, we man and I'm not putting my Gentech hat on here or marketing. We manufacture high quality products because yeah. I have to stand behind them. I'm very fastidious still about what I put into my body, even though I'm not competitive at a world stage, but I'm fastidious about it. And I figure there's a bunch of other people, including yourself, that are fastidious. I don't expect you to put mm. something in your body that you don't really know. 
Well, I remember you said that that was one of the first things that, you know, when we first ever chatted, I still remember you saying, you know, I use these products, Damon, and I know that a lot of the products on the market don't have what they claim. And it's like, yeah. And we were of the same mindset. It's like, I, I I don't care. I don't care so much what the, um, how do you put it? I just want to know. If you tell me what's in it, I can work with it. Even if it doesn't look like the best product, I'd rather have what's actually in it than you lie to me that it's something else. Like, you know? Exactly right. But but the market doesn't see it that way. They don't. The market, you know, and it's probably more uneducated now than ever, even though we've got an overabundance of information. I think it's more, without knocking anyone, I think it's more uneducated than ever. But it you is, know, and this so- is a, this is the sort of thing that I want people to understand and sort of to expose to them. So the fact that you know when they look at the nutritional label, this isn't what they just tested in a particular batch or anything else. There's a bunch of calculations that are made to average it out, and it's based on a bunch of presumptions which are basically you know they're able to be manipulated directly if yeah. you want to. Or they could just be outright wrong by no with no malicious intent whatsoever. It, it's just just didn't get it right. Mm, yeah, um, that's right. And yeah. and you just don't know. It's pretty high. Ten ten percent is very very high when you're counting um, your macronutrients. But is that? I mean, okay, ten percent variance is that ten percent either side of the claim number? Correct. So really, it's a twenty percent range. Correct. That is correct. Yeah. Which which is a big. It's a quite a big variance. You know, to say. A protein is is eighty percent when in fact it's seventy percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually acceptable. It's acceptable within the code, but but um, you know not many people know that. Not many people know that, and that's well. That's that was that was talking hey, talking to us. We would test up above sometimes. That's we would great. Test up above, the but you were the time. only one. Yeah, well, you know <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. But it, it, you know. I was I was going to start saying before it's it's really hard these days. It's become such a competitive industry, and it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. It's been so competitive, and when you're yeah. I was saying I, I'm not going to put my Gentech hat on, but when you're building high-quality products in Australia with the cost of manufacture in Australia, mm-hmm. with high-quality raw materials, mm-hmm. not the cheapest stuff my purchasing manager can find to yeah. get the bottom line down, but you're using high-quality or we're using high-quality ingredients and in manufacturing in Australia made it so hard to make money in the t- traditional wholesaling to a retailer, a retailer getting their margin and selling to the consumer. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Damon, I work my butt, as you know, I work my butt off yeah. myself these days to keep my overheads down. I run my company on the sniff of an oily rag as far as expenses. Yeah. And I'll share with you quite cl- uh, plainly, I did my financials a couple of weeks ago with my accountant and we, we profit, um, our net profit's 10% on turnover. Wow. That's what it is. And mate, my overheads, the staffing and so forth are low. I work my butt off. Yeah, I that's work. right. But ten percent for a for a my electric skateboard. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so it's very very hard to build great products and make money these days. It's very hard to do that, you know. Yeah. So I can see why companies certainly stretch the truth. <laughs> if you want to say stretch the truth, I can see why companies source cheaper quality raw materials. Because glutamine is glutamine at the end of the day to a consumer when it's on a label. That's exactly right. And that, and that actually segues into exactly one of the big topics I wanted to talk to you about, which is the, when you're purchasing ingredients and um, 
I said this to you when I introduced wanting to do this interview, uh, the conversation that we had when you were telling me about the hydrolyzed whey isolate. And you were saying, hydrolyzed whey isolate is disgusting. It's basically you put a teaspoon into a liter of water and you shake it once and you wind up with, you know, 14 liters of foam and it all tastes like acid. And yes, right. uh, then when you went to the manufacturer and they've got a two pages of 100% pure and natural hydrolyzed whey isolate with two pages of different pricing. And you're like, what's the difference between them? And that's when they said, well, this one doesn't froth and this one tastes creamy and this one does this and this one does that. And you're going, well, if they're 100% hydrolyzed whey, how can they have different characteristics and properties? Because we chuck extra stuff in them. So talk us through more of that because, I mean, I know I remember with with many of the products that you've got, you you go, it's not just an ingredient, Dame One. I need to get the best one. I need to get one that was actually used in the study and and so on and so forth. But Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and this is this is yeah, this is so wide open, you know, with proteins, with herbs, with enzymes that are used in research trials. You know that the activity of herbs and enzymes, and then the quality of certain amino acids, the impurity levels that are there or not there. You just you don't get that. You know, I I've, I had a doctor contact me from Melbourne for some glycine for a test they're looking at doing on cognitive function. Yeah, down in um, one of the unit, one of the hospitals there in Melbourne. Um, Regardless, you know, they just want a C of A. They just want a certificate of analysis and the raw material looks good and, yeah, great, done. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, don't, they don't know the ins and outs. But certainly with a, the whey protein, it's like that as well with whey protein. There are very different grades of quality um, for a number of reasons. Again, like I said, there's a bunch of different WPIs I can get, a bunch of different WPCs I can get. But then there's dairy farms and dairy companies all over the world yep. where they're going to vary differently again. So NZMP, so New Zealand Milk Products or Fonterra, they've always had the most consistent and I think I, I think the most transparent um, products. I call them products, WPC okay. products, WPI products. I think they're the most transparent from what I've seen. Well, they're regarded we, basically as the, the best in the world from around the world, which is, you know, and I've spoken to you about this before, it's kind of ironic when you go to New Zealand and in all the supplement shops are all of these American products. And if yeah, you go to America, there's all of these products going, this contains New Zealand whey. And it's like, you couldn't even sell New Zealand whey in Australia or New Zealand because people would be like, oh, just crappy local stuff. I don't want that. I, I want the stuff that changes my genetics yeah. from America. And... Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's well, all you, it says it on the label. That's it's right. Label, right here. Isn't it funny? But that that's just one of those things where we think, you know, if it's in our own backyard, it's not as good as in any industry. Yeah. We, yeah. We, yeah. You know, even even with quality of bodybuilder or athlete, we're always thinking the guys and They've girls over be overseas. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. better. But but um, you know. But so the New Zealand stuff is as good as it gets, or are you just saying that it's more transparent about what's in it? I think both. I think both. Okay. You know. So I think I could say Glambia. Glambia are, the, are probably the biggest, possibly the biggest dairy company in the world, and they own a couple of the top supplement brands. And, and um, I would say for a big commercial company, that would be the only other company I would I would trust, you know. It's, um, and it's that bad. So it comes down to the point that you you legitimately just wouldn't actually trust a lot of these companies. I mean, not entirely, but because no, it comes I, down I, to that non-disclosure, doesn't it, of sort of like we're giving you a 100% way, with a little asterisk and yeah, hundred percent way trademark. Um, yeah. So even, even you, it comes down to a point of trust as well. It's not just, yeah, it, it's like, not the information. It gets very, um, it, 
Yeah, it's not. It's you're not getting clear information a lot of the time. You know, the thing with Glambia, I mean, that they started as, a, as an Irish dairy farm. That was the company started. So I, I think Ireland. I look at Ireland similarly to New Zealand with a lot of a lot of the stuff. It's such a clean environment, and yeah. I think their dairy yeah. is fantastic in Ireland as well, like it is in New Zealand. Okay. So I think what they started with was very good. We've sourced protein. The hard thing with New Zealand, they're they're, they're quite hard to deal with NZMP, especially with. And I believe you hear different things. Like you, you get a. They quote us every quarter. We get a quarterly quote right. on how much, how much our products are going to cost for that quarter. And and the, the pricing varies. The next quarter may go up, may go down. And you just get times where it jumps wow. jumps radically. But then as a company, your consumers are not going to accept that your product's no. gone up 100%. Yeah. But the, it will jump up crazily sometimes. And you get stories like, well, it's the Chinese um, baby formula market. Yeah. That, had such a big demand it's driven the price of way up and this is what it costs and it doesn't matter that i've been in business and, and sourcing their product for nearly 20 years it, that doesn't matter with no. business at this level um and again when i'm saying this level I'm, I'm a very small boutique brand in comparison to many but still it's it sort of there's no relationships with this buying of raw materials there's nothing like that no matter well, uh, am I, um, I, I don't know no matter how big you are unless you own what my understanding is, is Sorry. that buying from Fonterra, it's it's almost impossible. You're able to do it because you've got a 20-year relationship. But most people, if I walked in off the street tomorrow and said, I'd like to buy, you know, a, a thousand kilos of product to start manufacturing a line, they'd be like, well, we'll supply you in a year or something. Yeah, well, they would they would direct you to one of their agents and the agents would deal with smaller, smaller manufacturers. So okay. they've got agents that distribute their product. But you can so, get it. It's not all. It's not all off yeah. the market. It's just a cost no, thing, obviously. You can, yeah. But then yeah. there'll be these shortages, you know, yeah. based on the reasons that 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 you get you get told at the time. So when it becomes hard, we we've, we've gone sourcing other whey proteins over the years, um, from from Ireland, or we got some 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 stuff from from Glambia again, which. Yeah, there's a bunch. There's such a variety of WPIs and hydrolyzed WPIs, but then a lot of the. Um, some of the European stuff was very good. We've got a backup source from Belgium. Right. And it's, you know, one of the reasons New Zealand is so good for us to use in our products is the consistency of the product. Okay. If I, if I, source, if I source a WPI maybe from an American dairy, dairy farm or, yep. or company um, and I use the same amount of, of flavor and sweetener that I use in the current genetic products, it can taste completely different even though they're saying it's the same. The, right. ba- the taste – the base, the consistency to the base is so important to us so that the consumer is getting a consistent product at the end of the day, both with right. quality but with taste as well. Yeah. Um, the I've had with some of the samples we've had, and the, pro- the thing with the Belgian product, its specs are pretty much the same as the New Zealand and, and the base um, flavor and mixability is consistent with our New Zealand product. So it's a backup okay. if we ever need it, if there's an issue with some – Yeah, the Chinese have gone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the issue with the American raw material from the American farms, believe it or not, had a very high percentage of, of ash still in the product. They didn't filter out the ash. So you, you could see it. You could see the you ash. You could see it. Uh, you could see it, Damon. And even in the But by ash, you're meaning just minerals, yeah? So you're seeing crystal like particles ash. or ash? I mean, ash. As I mean, in uh, ash burnt. Same. Yeah, burnt. Yeah, burnt. Ash. Yeah, they, they leave it in the product and you get it. And I guess with, with Ash from what? I, I, you know, I still don't know. <laughs> That's a bit worrying. Because it's cold cross-flow microfilter. That's right. It's, it should be cold. 
So when you, you I don't know, this stuff out of the US, it certainly can't be cold processed because it has ash and they don't even filter it out. Wow. Um, yeah, I had the same thing with the colostrum. There was a shortage on colostrum from New Zealand. And in fact, colostrum prices tripled about two years ago, tripled. Jesus. Again, so I just lost money on my, my colostrum. I could colostrum for a little while there. Um, I put it up, but I couldn't triple the price of it, right? So, no, yeah. um, so I saw and, and I had returns. It smells burnt. There's, it's gone off because we get these consistent consumers. Sure enough, uh, the spec was 7% ash. You could smell 7%. it. 7%? It. That's huge. 7%. Yeah, it smelled like, it smelled like um, after you'd been, a house had burnt down. You open the jar and it smelled like that. And this is meant to be a high-grade colostrum out of an American dairy farm. So, but that's seriously contaminated. I mean, that, that, that could be lethal, potentially. Like, yeah. they, they might think it's like charcoal and good for bloating. Which Well, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's actually it's filtering the water and taking... I might use this product and go, wow, my bloating's gone. This is great quality. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But the variation is, is vast when it comes to raw materials. Yes, with whey proteins, depending on the country they're sourced from, the country of origin, the manufacturing. Um, well, you've you told know, me, you, you've said to me there's a, uh, they're allowed to put 5% of the weight of the product in additives without declaring it and still, still claiming that the product is free of impurities or additives, yeah? If it was an emulsifying agent, an anti-foaming or emulsifying agent. Sorry, so this is the US the or this is in Australia? Oh, in the US. Not, no, not in Australia. This, okay. is, this is where the Food Standards Code, even though I think it's still a bit loose, it's very, very strict in comparison to other countries, in, in the US you could use, if it was less than 5% of this type of ingredient, an emulsifier or anti-foaming agent, yeah. you didn't have to put on the label. <laughs> so they could use just a combination. Incredible. Yeah, so they could use a combination of 3 to 4% of a variation of anti-foaming agents. You know, because particularly, like I said, with a hydrolyzed WPI, even straight WPI, yeah, you, you shake pure WPI or hydrolyzed and it's 95% froth and 5% yeah, liquid. undrinkable, yeah. Yeah, so we, we use a non-GMO soy lecithin simply. Okay. You know, with our products, they're, they're very transparent, so you can see in the ingredient list, yep. Yep. we use soy lecithin at 2 to 3 to 4% in our products, to, and, and that does the job, Damon. Yeah. It's a non-GMO soy lecithin. It's, and, and it does the job, you know. And it's funny because years ago, I used to use lecithin as a supplement. Many bodybuilders did. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Liver and the real it was basic. in everything. Instead yeah. of carnitine was so darn expensive, I couldn't afford it. So I'd use the lecithin for the high choline content as a fat burner. So yep. we used to pay for the stuff as a supplement. And as long as it wasn't oxidized, I reckon it worked. I reckon it worked, choline. As much as you could tell with anything, yeah. It just, yeah. You could tell with anything, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, Okay, well, then the TGA. So the TGA is the main authority overlooking all of this stuff. Now, you know, as we said... Mate, go again. Sorry, I missed all... Go again. I said, sorry, the, the TGA is the main authority that is overlooking that or and, and Food Standards Australia, of course. What do they do yeah, in terms okay. of actually testing the products then? Yeah, TGA, it's a, it's a great question and... and um, I feel fortunate, to be honest, to have dealt with the TGA and been dealt with by the TGA with my original male fuel formula, my liquid male fuel. Remember the, the original yep. blue one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff you wanted to fight or train or 
or do something <laughs> private. Um, you know, and, and there's a long story to it. The lab I was using at the time, they they weren't quite above board. I found out in the end. So anyway, I, I had remember, to re- yeah, I had to recall that liquid mail fuel. So I dealt the TGA dealt with me, and I did a, a, a full recall um, of the product that was on the shelf. But it wasn't because it contained an ingredient. Um, it was the zinc was too high for a supplementary sports food. So they were saying it's not a food anymore because your zinc levels are a bit too high. That's crazy. I think it was 10, 10 milligrams yep. and it's only allowed five. Or so. I can't remember the food standards code amount, but uh, maximum value amount, but it was too high in zinc and I'd made label claims. So that for the fact it was label claims and zinc was too high, it should have been listed with a TGA as a listed product, yep. a list medicine. Yeah. So Meaning if, that uh, you pay them a bunch of money to be allowed to put the same words on the label. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. But also, you do need to then manufacture the product in a, a TGA-approved facility. Yeah, facility. Yeah, so that yeah, would rate, ramp your price up and all this. You got it. Yeah, it increases your, your manufacturing cost by about twenty percent. Okay. I, I, I would estimate. Yeah, it would be an estimate, about twenty percent increase. So, I don't think the TGA is a bad thing, though, Damon. You know, when I when you can see when you can see potentially what can happen in a in a country like the US. Mm. Can see what can happen with, with capsule product or any supplements. What can be sent out to the market over there? Um, you know, as long as it's got the disclaimer, um, these statements have not been approved by the FDA. You can all you can say whatever you want in the US. So yeah. the TGA is good. So to give you an idea that the male fuel now we put into liquid gel capsules, our ultimate yeah. male fuel, and it's um, when my TGA license facility here I use in Sydney. The owner's a, a tremendous, it would be a long story if I go on about him, but tremendous guy, very, very fastidious, very honourable. He has integrity. Yep. When we get our raw material, when we get our samples of our raw materials and we get samples, yep. the sample comes in from the supplier and we choose them. So we're using Bulgarian tribulus. We choose the supplier or I choose the supplier it comes from. I do that with all my products. Yep. So the bill of materials, it's my it's my sourcing of raw materials, not the lab, yeah. not the contract manufacturer. Yeah. I personally source them. Yep. So so we get a sample of the raw materials in with the certificate of analysis. We test the sample to make sure Again. it relates to the C of A. Yep. Then if it's all good, we order in the 50, 100, 200 kilos of raw material. We manufacture we test it again when we get the bulk raw material in. We then manufacture the capsule under TGA protocol in a TGA licensed facility. Yeah. When the capsule's finished, we send it off for testing again. Wow. Yeah. So And these tests, unlike the protein tests, they come back with what it actually is or how does that work? Exactly. 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 So it's quite stringent testing. It does. It increases your contract manu- your, your your manufacturing costs of the product because you've got all that testing to do yeah. and you're paying to manufacture in a TGA licensed facility. So I think it's good. But yeah, but listing the product Again, the, the TGA don't test the product, Damon. No, T- no, that's what I understand. Yeah, they don't test it, yeah. much like standards code. Yeah. We submit the data that we're going to put on the label. Right. We have to, and within the within within the, the information we supply to get the product listed, we supply the label information, we supply the, the manufacturer's uh, de- uh, details and license number. Yep. We supply the labs at which we do the testing. We supply who we use okay. to do our thing. Yep. Um, it's scary. It's not scary because they, they make sure you do your due diligence. And and with most of the TJ licensed facilities, they get audited at least annually, at least. Yeah, no, I understand they do that, yeah. At least they do that. So they make sure they're following protocol. Um, so I guess there's still 
there's still yeah, some it's getting done. Risk. So that so what you're saying though is that basically every product that's listed under the TGA does have to go through testing. It's just that you have to source the testing and you have to pay for the testing, and then the TGA signs off on whether or not it was up to their standards as far as they're aware. So it did get tested, not technically by them, but it got tested. Yeah, it got tested exactly. It got yeah. tested. They do do a post market product review, which they did on my mail fuel because my mail fuel got recalled when it was in liquid form. When I then put it back out into the market, mm-hmm. I was getting manufactured in a TGA licensed facility and got an sell number. They did a post market product review, so they took it. They went to shops. I'm not which, sure which stores they went to. Yeah, they yeah. went. They took it. They tested it. Wow. So they okay. do, they do a post market product review randomly or not so randomly. If there's been a, a problem. Recall, yeah. So so they do phys- they do physically test product as well. Yes, they But do. so then what we've got is that it's the where when I did my original testing and it was on the basic protein powders, these are foods products, so they don't come under the jurisdiction of the TGA. Correct. And that's where I'm guessing, yeah, because if you're bringing out food products to the market, why would you need to take get, give a analysis of the food to Food Standards Australia? That would be ridiculous in the case of, yeah, breakfast cereals or something like this. It's sort of like if you put, yeah, if Sanitarium put it together, well, okay, it is what it is. It's, it's cereal. They don't yeah. really care that it is exactly what the label says because really it's not that important except for the consumer of protein powders. It is that important. Yes, yeah, but it's really bundled into the same. Uh, it's bundled into the same category, really. I mean, yeah. supplementary sports foods is a little different, but it's it's along the same sort of protocol as far as manufacturing. So we're back to then from the consumer's point of view. When it comes to the protein powders, it's really just you've just got to go with the brands that you can trust, and sort of cross your fingers and hope that it is what it says it is. Even though, you know, I know for a fact from having seen the test results. They're not necessarily what they say they are. You know, mm. I've, I've seen a, I told you, the worst we saw in that test was a 90% WPI that was 23% protein. Oh. It was, it was, they, the guess was that it was just basically skim milk powder, um, you know, with some, with some flavor added to it. So if, if they want to do that, they can. Was it really? Yeah, it really was. Big brand too, so... And then, uh, you know, mutual friends of ours who also work in the industry have done tests on the same brand years later and there were, you know, more problems of that, which I believe have been cleaned up, um, you know, and, and the, but the bigger brands, Gentech, International Protein are always, you know, two next generation um, are, are brands that, you know, are really, really good. And generally, I, I personally feel I trust the Australian brands way over and above the um, – uh, any of the US stuff personally and I mean it's not saying that all US products are bad that would be ridiculous but um, certainly in terms of confidence yeah I mean I, I've got to say buddy I I, I would be I personally personally I'd be the same personally I mean I, yeah. obviously personally I won't use anything else but Gentech because I know exactly what's in it so Likewise. I, I, don't, I don't you know it's terrible I don't even I don't even try other products to see what they're doing what the, what yeah. the market is I don't even try them you know because I just think I really want to enjoy this protein shake and I want it to digest and I want it to be functional and, I, you know, I want to... I want it to be what it says that it is. Yeah, I want it to be, even if it's just for the sampling aspect of it. I just don't ever use or try anything else. But no. there's certainly some reputable Australian brands and international are one of them. They're doing great things. And I think, Damon, I think, you know, companies that stand the test of time is probably a testament to their products being good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and certainly they can even, you know, in the case of the company that I was talking about before, my understanding is that they've lifted their game and uh, and fixed those problems that they had in the past. They're no longer as price competitive as they were, but uh, at least the product is authentic from what I understand. Um, but now yeah. the last conversation that we also had, which is slightly off topic a bit, but is just that the the specialty market's been shrinking, you've been saying. So it's got yeah. – there, there was this, you know, uh, unbelievable growth in the entire market. You just talk through basically what's happened, the, the years it grew and then – Yes. Yeah, it's really interesting because I, I, I guess I look at it um, – more strategically now than I ever have because, you know, yeah, five years ago it was just exploding. And, yeah. and, and when we say specialty market, let's, let's be fairly specific, saying specific sports supplement retailers. Yes. With specialty market. So the sports yeah. supplement retailers, you know, they had phenomenal growth. Um, but that was the – just correct me if I'm wrong, but the entire market, the market value of sports food supplements was increasing quite rapidly, Correct. Yeah, yeah, cracked the billion dollar mark. I, I'm, I'm, I think about seven years ago here in Australia, right. and then you know we, we, yeah, then Australia became for a small population of 25 million. You know, we have this very developed market, and we, yeah. you know, we became interesting to all of the top international brands. So rather than just have small distributors over here, the bigger companies started coming in and putting their own marketing teams on and their own reps on and taking back their distribution and so forth. Yeah. Even if they take back their own distribution and logistics, they were putting teams over here to promote and grow their brands in Australia. So, you know, it's it's become extraordinarily competitive. Yeah. Um, you know, brand-wise, I would be guessing there's over 300 brands in a, in yeah, a small Australian market. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. So it's interesting that they've come over and they've come over and gone hard. And actually, a lot of the big brands internationally, they can't get traction here. It's such a – it is actually ultimately a small niche market, even though we're looking at quite a big dollar, dollar value. It's a small niche market. The, the specialty, the sports supplement stores are not the main retailers anymore of sports nutrition. I think a survey done quite recently showed sports supplement stores supply. It's around 14%. <laughs> wow. So that the stores are selling 14% of the market because, Damon, you know, something that I, I could see it was going to happen back, you know, 20 years ago in each suburb. There was one, maybe two retailers of sports supplements in each suburb. There was one or two. There was yeah, maybe yeah. the gym sell a bit of stock, yep. a bit of sports ups, and the health food store. Yep. They were only two. Now you look at it, in each suburb, you've at least got one gym selling subs, at least one, at, at least. least. Yeah, yep. If half a dozen, but you've got at least one. You've yep. got at least one health food store selling supplements, if not a whole heap. So the amount of retail, and then you've got online, what's happened with online and how much it's exploded. So the sports supplement stores are selling to only 14% of the market. So- What's happened is the sports supplement retailers have said to wholesalers like myself, we need more GP. We need more, 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 more markup, more markup. And I'm thinking, gee, these guys are getting greedy. But ultimately, they're not. They're not. I go into a, into a great store like Vitamin King at Marylands. Jimmy Grasso started that store over 30 years ago. Yeah. That little store in the shopping center used to be like a supermarket. There, yeah. would have been, there would have been 20 heads in that store all the time, all day. Yeah, right. Sport supplements, half vitamins. So Jimmy was Jimmy and Abraham at, at Mr. Vitamins, and then down there was Ian Collins in Melbourne. They were the first guys that had health food stores 
even with pharmacy background as Ian had, yep. that realised the potential of sports supplements. So half of their store became sports ups and half was health. Yep. Those those stores had uh, 20 people and, and Mr. Vitamins at Chatswood, that probably squeezed about 40 or 50 people in at all wow. times. Day and night, wow. it was great. And so yeah. they could survive. Actually, the grandson of Jimmy Grasso told me they used to survive on 26% GP. That was standard for them, 26% wow. GP. In a major mall, paying that rent and all of those wages and everything else in Australia. Wow. So high. It was yeah. so, so high. So um, so these days, because they're getting less than half the people walking, way less than half the people walking the door, they need more GP. They need double so, the GP, yeah. Yeah, they need double the GP. That's right. So they're squeezing the wholesalers to the point where it's like, oh, there's not a lot of money in it. So I yeah. guess a lot of brands start reformulating Damon. And it's, it's certainly – it's certainly what I have have seen as a path that commercially, some companies would just have to take that path commercially, Damon, or they won't survive. Well, how's again, it been for you guys commodity-wise? I mean, commodities have taken a bit of a hit the last couple of years. So has that been the truth with with the ingredients for supplements and things? Or Yeah, mate, it has. It has. Like things like our glutamine, there's no money in our glutamine. Again, because we use a really high-quality glutamine. Mm. We use the OptiPure product. It's it's basically impurity-free. And the the glutamine, I'm looking at on the shelf, so I'm looking up the, the... you know, the glutamine, there's no money in that. It's not a m- lot of money in creatine anymore. We use Creapure, which is nearly three times the price of the basic creatine I can source here in Australia from yep. the big chemical supplies. I can source creatine at almost almost a third, of, at 40% of the price I pay for Creapure. But see, um, this is one of those, I mean, creatine, sorry to interrupt, that, that's that you know, you know, this is one of my things, is that I haven't had the best history with creatine, and the creatine 320 that you produced, that you brought out, was basically the only one that actually gave me the weight gain that all the creatine research promised, and at the same time didn't send me to the bathroom. And yes. the, the new Creapure it still does the same thing as the other Creapures did. I thought the other Creapures were just lying and they just didn't use Creapure. But it seems that they did and just, I've got a sensitive stomach to that. But you basically can't put the Creatine 320 back on the market because they've shipped the manufacturing to China. Yeah. Yep. That's and right, so, yeah. And so well, it looks bad on the label, but actually it's a better product. So Yeah, it looks bad on the label. And the reason I swapped over to Creapure is because there was a fire... Uh, in a, apparently there was a fire in, in the facility next door or something and their manufacturing was shut down for, they didn't know how long it was going to be. So I couldn't source my Creatine 320. 320. I couldn't source it anymore. So I'm like, shit. The, the, my same supplier of the, of the, of the Creatine 320 said, oh, look, we found some, some, um, some comparable product. They sent me some samples and it was like all the other creatines, you know. Yeah, it was micronized to, to 200 mesh. But even for me, I got the shits, man. I got a cast iron stomach. Yeah, wow. You know, I can, I can pretty much use anything. So yeah. it gave me the kits and it, you know, it looked okay. The odor was fine. But, but again, yeah. I know, know you. It, You're not going to put that on the market. No. Nah, and I don't know. Well, I'm getting a C of A here. I don't know if it's 50% creatinine. I don't know if there's the heavy metals and, and the impurities at a higher level than what they're claiming. I don't know. So with the Creapure, at least you know you know what you're getting. There's a consistency to it. And, mate, they're very strict. They're, yeah. they're very strict. Um, yeah, you told me the story. They're, they're strict about who they sell to even and everything else. Who they sell to, how you put creatine on your label. Um, you can't call the product Creapure. 
You know, you call it whatever you want to call it, but you cannot call the product Creapure. No, because when I first released it, I called it Creapure. Yeah. I didn't find print, and the Germans got straight on the email to me. They, <laughs> they found it online. You cannot call the product Creapure. You wow. have to give it your own name. You can say it contains Creapure, um, and you have to use our trademarked Creapure logo, et cetera, et cetera. So they're that very- makes sense. That's standard branding practice. If you own the trademark. It does, yeah. It's yeah. commercial. It's just standard. Yeah. yeah, it's just standard commercial stuff, really, which I, I sort of ignored in my panic <laughs> to get seen on the market because yeah. I couldn't get my green 320. So, um, yeah, it's 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 really interesting as to what's happened, and I can see why, you know, certain products and brands might have reformulated, diluted their product. They might use 10% Crea Pure and then use a, a cheaper grade creating that they can source for a third of the price. But this and, is the thing is that that's what you're saying is that, you know, you can you can get these products. The the Bromelane was one. And, and maybe if you could explain this one back to me again, even because I can't even remember the details. It's like you get, you know, if there's 10 milligrams of Bromelane in this product, that's not 10 milligrams of Bromelane. And it's not because it's Bromelane hydrochloride, therefore some of the weight's taken in the hydrochloride versus something else. It's because, please explain. Yeah, so it's the activity level of that particular bromelain. So we get our bromelain from um, pineapple skin as much as from the fruit itself. Yeah. The, the, the bromelain is measured, or one of the typical measurements, is GDU, gelatin digestive units. Okay. So it makes sense to me. Gelatin's a protein. So the amount of gelatin yeah. digestive units that bromelain contains. So when I was putting my TR3, my post-workout together, I wanted bromelain in it, not to digest the protein, but the research has been very, very positive on reducing inflammation, inflammation. in the body. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's why I want it in there for, for post-workout for all athletes for recovery because the old ice baths made in a pair of Speedos is not very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it from the inside out. Um, <laughs> Amen. So we we'll get the bromelain and um, the, the, I, I didn't know where to get the bromelain and, and my, my lab said, oh, look, we've got to stock bromelain. And uh, I said, just get the pricing. So they sent through the pricing. It was $33.50 a kilo. I remember it clearly. I contacted my supplier of my glutamine, who does all the high-quality raw materials, and, and it was 150 bucks a kilo for a bromelain. And I went, Jesus, that's expensive. Yeah. Um, I got the $33.50. What's, what's going on here? And he goes, well, what's the GDU of the one the lab have got as a stock like, item? Duh. I said, I, I don't know. What's GDU? And he goes, I don't know, mate. It's the activity. I don't know. I just sell this shit. I don't know. It's, it's the <laughs> something it's the strength of it i said look i don't know let me find out so i contacted the lab and said um what's the gdu of the, the bromelain they said i don't i don't know and i said have you got a spec yeah we'll send you the spec of the raw material so i got the spec through quite clearly it said on the spec it had all the, this information on impurities and so forth but 65 gdu 33 dollars 50 kilo 65 gelatin digestive units 65 gdu was okay. the measurement activity 65 yep. When I got back to my other supply and he goes, ah, oh, mate, that's why. Ours is 1,200 GDU. Wow, 20 and times. 20 times, right? So it was five times the price but 20 times the activity, the activity level. yeah. So I got straight on to Dane um, uh, Vizovich that, that, that does a lot of our, looks at a lot of research papers said, Dane, have a look at the, the bromelain research and tell me. He already has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They the GDU. No, no. If they specify the GDU for the 750 milligram bromelain dose they used right. to, re to reduce the inflammation. So he looked into it again with the research. They didn't specify. They, you know, they, they didn't specify. As we talked about at the start of, of the interview, um, they didn't specify. So sure enough, 
I couldn't personally be using TR3 post-workout knowing I'm using 65 GDU bromelain. <laughs> Win 1200s there, yeah. Yeah, 20 yeah. times the level. So, it's like buying know, the wooden skateboard. You had to buy the carbon fibre. Uh, as, as the English would say, you want the dog's bollocks. That's know, exactly right, yeah. It's got to be the best. It's got to be. If you're yeah. going to use it, you know, I'm all about quality, mate. And you're the same, whether it's, whether it's the clothes you're buying, the car, the motorbike, whatever it is that you buy, I'd rather get. Well, I'd rather uh, not have it than have the one that I know is just a bit same. shit. It's just. Exactly. I'm yeah. the same. And yeah, when you've heard numbers the- like that, a 1200 versus a 65 GDU, you kind of go, what's the point of putting it in there? It's, exactly. If it's 120 well, of the activity. Yeah. yeah. Well, the point of putting it in there for most companies would it be. Ticks the box on the label. Maybe. Yeah, because the consumer would never know. And even when they look at the research, well, Jesus, they would never know. You're saying the manufacturers and the suppliers don't even know. They don't even know. They don't even know. <laughs> so, well, there, there isn't really a right answer here, is there? The best, thing that I've, the, the best thing I've got is I use Gentech because I know you and I trust you and we have these conversations and it's like, well, if Nick says so, then that's the way that I'm going. Yeah, and yeah. and that's basically all you've got, though, because it's just like everything else. The deeper you go down the rabbit hole, the more you find there's just more rabbit hole. It's it, exactly. yeah, yeah. Um, so it is much like that. It is very much like that. And, and to and to make money in this industry has become has become more and more challenging. So I can see so why you've got to take the shortcuts. Would would possibly take shortcuts? You know yeah. why they would? You know you don't know that they all do. You know the smart operators. You know, anyone that, that I think puts their name to a label, mm. I think... Probably cares be, a bit more. Probably cares a bit more. You'd have to you'd have to assume that. Yeah, yeah. So, where we get to at the end of all of this, because, I mean, the, the reason I wanted to talk about the bromelain is I thought that it was a good metaphor for, or you know, um, likeness to other ingredients. Their other ingredients won't necessarily be as complicated as that, but it's a really good indication of, you know, here's a person who's looked at the research, gone, I want to make a product based with, you know, with this ingredient in it, and all of a sudden there's the next level down and everything suddenly changes. And so now the pricing of your product has to change and, and so on and so forth. So yeah. from the from the consumer's point of view, looking at uh, you know a study, which let's face it, most of the time they haven't even read. They're basically reading yeah. a magazine or an internet blog that quotes a study and makes its own interpretation of the conclusion, which is its own interpretation of the results, which really probably weren't all that conclusive in the first place. Yes. And so they put the ingredient into their body expecting a result, and there's there's just myriad areas where this could all come, you know, falling down. Yeah. Um, Massively. And it's probably it's 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 true for for many many ingredients and herbs. I don't use a lot of herbs with our products, but herbs are another one that are like that, you know. And um, oh, it's, yeah. it's it's just so it's so open. And yet again, with me, a lot of the time I, I look at it when I'm sourcing raw materials, and I, I look at the price. That's how I actually look at the price. And I think well, the most expensive ones are probably better. Let's have a look at the spec. Yeah, you know, for the more expensive, you know, and and. It's, yeah, it's. Is it it's, worth it? Is it worth it? Yeah, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And nine times out of ten, it's worth spending the extra money because you're getting a higher quality ingredient. But then educating the market is educating consumers on this whole thing is a very um, laborious, a very laborious way of going about it. It's much easier to spend the money on marketing and use the cheaper raw materials. I think that's much easier. Yeah, and then a bunch of people to get out there and push it and sell it and market your product while you're you're off um, doing whatever it is you want to be doing spending your money um, I, I think it's yeah it's it's a 
it's a challenge. It's become challenging, um, and you got to work. I got to. I got to work. I got to work. And the other thing is, I can market my products as being high quality. Ultimately, it was never really my marketing spiel was Gentex, the premium brand that's high quality. That was that's sort of what the market has come back and communicated to us. To be honest, to yeah, be brutal, yeah, sweetie. Consumers yeah. used to go, I love your product. Or especially our consumers are always, guarantee it, Damon, they're always consumers that have been around the block a few times, yes. use a product, yep. trained for many years. Yep. And the amount of times I speak to these slightly older um, or more advanced trainers and they and they go, mate, your products actually work. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. You know, they go, no, they bloody, they work. I can't believe how well they work. And they keep using them, you know. But So to go out and try and educate the market and say you may not be getting great quality products because of all the things we've talked about, I don't want to cast a shadow over the industry. No, you've, a, done a, you've done a good job of not doing that. That's, I don't want to do that. And, no. and I don't know, Damon, you know, I'm shooting off at the hip. I don't know who's using high-quality raw materials and who's not. No. I don't. I really don't know. Yeah. And I don't really care and I don't really get too caught up in it or look at it and think, oh, he's probably doing that. I don't have time. I'm no, so darn busy no. working yeah. with Gentech, with new product development and working on the education side of things and, and getting out and talking to people and, and, um, and running my company. I'm too busy for that anyway. I concentrate on my, my own game. You know what it's like. Concentrate on. You've said it for years and, and, you've, and you've always put it that way. It's just sort of like worry about doing good product and you know, you'll get your customers and they'll get their customers and, and it'll all come out in the wash. And as long as you know, you're making a living and you're proud of what you do, then who really cares anyway? It doesn't, it doesn't make any difference what they're doing. You know? True. Um, True. And it's similar, it's similar. You can draw a, um, a similarity to personal training. There's a, there, you know, there's a personal trainer for everyone, I'll walk into a place like City Gym and you have guys like Paul Haslam yep. that has a couple of degrees, has been a, a, a national and international bodybuilding champion, uh, did Olympic lifting at a competitive level, yep. has trained, you know, uh, Olympic level swimmers and all sorts of athletes. Yeah. He's trained for all decades. These, yeah. Decades of it. You know, you get a guy like that in the same gym, probably charges 10 or 20 bucks more an hour than, than somebody that's, you know, competed once and come third in a novice lineup in. You know, yeah, Mr. men's bikini. Yeah, yeah, who rocks around in their stringback singlet and carries on with their bro science, and they're getting just as many clients. Yeah, no, so but they're not losing clients to one another because they're just a completely different market to one another. It's, completely different market. They're yeah. different animals. So our products are for the more educated consumers. Yeah, we communicate to the more educated consumers. Yeah, that's it. We do communicate with them directly and I think subconsciously as well with the way we go about things there's a subconscious communication where they just probably look at it and go they're serious Gentic is serious about what they do they're yeah. serious about what they do from our content that we do on with our training footage down there at Recomp and from, from our social media staff from the information we put out there I think that that in yeah, itself it's always been good because it's not about it's not about trying to sell product. It's sort of like yeah, it's if you do everything right, then the product will sell. Let's let's just make a difference to what people are doing and set them in the right direction. Yeah, so, and like Edwin, if you're doing something that you're proud of, and the other thing is like to be honest, I do have a vested interest in people becoming educated because the more educated consumers become, the more likely they'll be. To use <laughs> That's right, really. yeah, but it's so a good place to be, you know, yeah, as opposed. I, I do have a bias and I do have a vested interest, but it's in empowering. It's in empowering consumers and educating consumers with, with the truth. Yeah, definitely. Without Mate, punishing anybody in the process, you know, I, on them. I think we wrap it up there because that's, um, 
that was really what I wanted to cover off on people. So thank you again for your time and uh, for revealing those things. Because like, like I said, not, we, don't, we don't get to hear what's going on behind the scenes when it comes to these products. We just get to hear, you know, someone cherry picks a, a study and they said that this ingredient does this thing, which isn't actually necessarily true anyway, and they've got this ingredient in the product. And, you know, I was, I was looking in the supermarket the other day um, just out of interest because there was some, you know, shiny new packaging on some of the, what was it, Barocca or something like that. And the stuff was a dollar a tablet for vitamin B in, in, in quantities that are sort of like you'd get more vitamin of all the vi- B vitamins from about 50 grams of red meat. Like it was absolutely pathetic. And it, I, I didn't know if I was reading the label wrong because it was so bad. So again, you just go, the so much of the market is being just yeah, basically misled with advertising. Um, yes. But there's another level. There's something of- about Barocca, though. Talking about Barocca, there's something <laughs> about that product. It's the only vitamin B product. And I know it's like 15 mgs. It's all there, 5 mgs, 15 mgs. They're very low in B vitamins. Yeah. It's the B vitamin I've used. But people rave about it, yeah. It's the yeah. only one that I use that I feel it, Damon. I do feel it straight away. Now, whether it's the artificial color makes <laughs> attractive, it does. <laughs> it could be that color. It might be that orange and red color. It could be, yeah. It's actually got nothing to do with B vitamin. I mean, I've been saying that about tribulus for years. I've just gone, you know, we could give you a dose of uh, of pharmaceutical testosterone and it will not feel anything like tribulus. I'm not saying tribulus doesn't work. I feel benefit from tribulus. I feel more uh, energetic, alive. I sleep better, wake better, libido's better, all of those different things from the male fuel that it, it works it's not testosterone but <laughs> do i care it's kind of I, I learned years later that it's just like hang on i'm looking at these people's blood tests and nothing's happened to your testosterone but they're reporting all these same effects and in the end you kind of go oh, i really don't care it's like if it does what it does then i'll, I'll use it anyway so yeah, and the interesting thing from a from a scientific standpoint from a research-based standpoint there is a plant chemical in tribulus so Danes just did this great write-up on the new male fuel product and the well the ingredients in male fuel and there's there's so a not the protodiacin it's getting down further than that now yeah well there's a there's a bunch of plant chemicals in in these herbs right yeah, there's a bunch yeah, of yeah. when you go it's the same sort of matters there's a bunch of them that's how dr- drugs are made from plant most of the time right yeah, yeah. so the an interesting thing with one of the plant chemicals in tribulus binds to angina receptors in the brain. So I think it's, it's, you're, you're getting that feeling from directly stimulating the angina receptors on the brain that, that you know, your libido's gone up, your strength's gone up. You feel something, so ba- but it could be that. It could be. You're saying it's a sum. That, that they're binding to your angina yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's all very fascinating, you know. It's all very fascinating. But it the is. difference with guys like you and me, I think, is we've learned a lot of our stuff on the front line. That's where we've yeah. learned our training stuff. That's where we've learned our nutrition, our yeah. supplementation. I've been a big believer in supplements for many years. Yep. But again, you know, because I messed around with big and low doses of various amino acids at different times and specific carb timing and different proteins at different times, but more the amino acids I found fascinating because yeah. I worked for Masashi for the yeah. original founder of Masashi, who was a brilliant guy. Uh, Tim. Tim, he, Tim yeah. was 25 years, 30 years ahead of the industry. Still he is. Was, yeah. yeah, highly intelligent uh, man, you know, very, very good good guy, Tim. Um, I've got a lot to be thankful for with him, but 
Um, yeah, that's where we learn a lot of our staff. And a lot of the time, the research is kind of now explaining why we got the results we got with certain protocols. That's really what it's doing. So without being arrogant, we kind of verify the research, right, without wanting to sound arrogant yeah. because we've been doing this stuff for 30 years. But that's what we I've been not- saying. You know, the, the academics only know what to look at because people have been doing stuff. It's like academics didn't invent weight training in order to start studying it and then some people cottoned onto it and started using it. No, it, no. Yeah. it was the other way around. And so it's always going to be the case, of, and it's the case in so many things, that, and, and not in others, but certainly in things like this, that it's, it's the people doing the stuff that 30 to 50 years later, the academics do a study which actually explains what they were doing 30 to 50 years ago, and 30 to 50 years later when the academics have caught up with that the market's just moved right on again so uh but yeah anyway thanks again man always good talking to you i'm going to put this out and um and and we'll do this another time on a different topic as well though but i think this is this is some golden information hey oh i'm I'm thinking i hope it wasn't boring for anyone you know i hope hope everyone got a little bit of insight and and i don't care if they don't because i got more out of it again so you know Mate, I love the honesty, the brutality. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thank Talk you, mate. You have a good one. Catch you soon. The Damon Hayhow Podcast on DamonHayhow.com.